Wisconsin, birthplace of Dungeons and Dragons, is the featured state of the day. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. Welcome back, guys. So last time when we had Nathan on, I think that we were talking about using text mode. So I successfully, successfully got that going. It was, it's actually pretty cool. It runs much crisper, much more responsive than running it directly on Windows, surprisingly. Yeah, well... That'll do it when you strip out all of the fancy goo-gahs, you <laughs> graphics-loving kids. <laughs> well, not even that. It, it, well, it may be the graphics. You know, we were talking about the fact that even ASCII mode, whenever you're running just natively, is a, is a tile set. That it runs over SSH more responsively than even vanilla Dwarf Fortress does whenever you don't change any settings. So all I did have to do was change the... In the init.txt file that's in the I think yep. it's the home folder slash libraries something there's there's a file in there somewhere in a folder called init so you just go in there and you change that and it tells you all the options that you have for uh for your for your different text modes but yeah and your different graphics modes and for fun in there you can also change stuff around so I found in the constant challenge that I have playing Dwarf Fortress on a Mac you can make edits in there and change things to like, I think it's like frame buffer or something, and that can improve sort of the lagginess of the UI. So all sorts of fun you can have mm, with that. Interesting. Any, with that any. Frame buffer. That sounds so scary. Frame buffer. Yeah, I don't know what it does. Would that be like it's it's setting up the, the, the screen draws in a, like a virtual screen and then popping it all at once like, like sure. a graphics programming? Sure. Huh. That's exactly what it does. Absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so did you say that you have done text mode I yeah on your Mac before? Yeah, yeah. I've done I've done a bunch of those because there there were just challenges getting it to run and when I had that new Mac with the Apple Silicon on it for a while I was doing that and it worked pretty well. And I've played around with the text mode on Linux a little bit. But yeah, it's like if you enjoy playing Dwarf Fortress in full ASCII mode, then I would say, why wouldn't you use text mode? Yeah, you know I think I might. know what I mean? I, it's compelling to me. I don't know why. Also, I like Unix. So maybe that's why. It's, there you go. You know, uh, yeah, that's probably part of it. Yeah. Last episode, whenever we had Nathan on, great episode. We'll have to have him on again sometime soon. Why not? And uh, yeah, why not? We also were talking about, uh lost my damn train of thought. Uh, what were, uh, so we were talking about text mode. Yeah. Or did we transition from that? I was in the middle of trying to transition. We were from transition. That. Okay, so I'm going to set you up for a transition. Well, that was a great discussion <laughs> on text mode, Jonathan. What else were you thinking about talking about today? Let me look back at the notes. <laughs> That's not helpful. <laughs> I'm uh, trying to pull them up too. I'm like, where the heck is this stuff? After our last session, you know, we were trying to make some opulent room, throne rooms into royal yeah. throne rooms, and okay. I believe that that is the case. For whatever reason, the algorithm does not count the value of the thing on a pedestal when counting huh. the the style of the throne room. So Man. what it does is it, it calculates the value of things that are built there proper. So it would count the I think the the value of the pedestal but not the artifact that's on it. However, whenever I put a artifact 
chest into the room, then it became a royal throne room just fine. So I would say that that's probably like a, a very minor, minor bug. So, but yeah, it is a good thing to keep in mind when you're trying to pro- whenever you're trying to prop up the value of uh, of some rooms. Go ahead. That is super interesting. I that makes a lot of sense because I'd put artifacts in rooms, and I'm like, look, dude, you've got all of the artifacts in this fort, and you still think your room sucks. What is going on? I'm about to throw him into the pit, and it's really—it's just a bug, and I almost killed the king for it. So <laughs> that's I'm because you gave me bottom. a dilapidated wooden <laughs> pedestal to put this. Nobody you know, wants this an incredible, you know, the Arkenstone on, right? <laughs> the elf toenail, the elf toenail crown, or whatever. God, I had one of those one time. What the hell? Wait, what? Has science gone too far? Somebody, somebody had made an elf toenail crown, and I Ew. and I thought, you know. That's disgusting. Can we talk God. about that? That's not okay. <laughs> like it's just that's just a bridge to you know. I would. I think I was. I was asking one day why Dwarf Fortress on Steam is like, you know, you have to tell it that you're older than yes. eighteen or twenty one yes. or whatever. And now I know why. It's because, because of toenail crowns. Nobody yeah, knows. yeah, no, definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely that, and not like the bloody combat where you can like decapitate people. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the head sails off in an arc. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's probably grim. Yeah. Well, that and the and the puritanism of the American society when it comes to alcohol. Uh, so you know, yes. it's like the dwarves are inebriated yeah, all the time. Yeah, Roland. I don't know, but yeah, no one in the U.S. drinks alcohol. Um, we we banned it in our constitution back in the twenties, and so yeah, <laughs> we, we just we're just a dry nation, basically. Oh, so. Honestly, oh, if didn't I, were... I tell you? <laughs> we repealed that in, in 1930 or so. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, oh, you can drink again. <laughs> well, I haven't gotten that far in the history book. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just into the sort of like early 30s. So I'm glad we got all that war business out of the way. It's okay. I've got a speakeasy set up in my basement. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't want any spoilers, but uh, I've been making mushroom wine over the pandemic. And um, I feel like it's turning out pretty well. Sorry, I think that we interrupted you, Roland. What did you say? <laughs> Uh, no, I just wanted to say that I would have believed that if I what? didn't spend some time in the US. So I know you have alcohol, but the quality mm. of your beer is like a different discussion. Yeah, we, we like to call it American Swill. Yeah, so. it's more like water. There is good beer here. It's just uh, usually not uh, not produced. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for water, oh, we just lost Tony. Oh. So we have temporarily lost Tony. I think that he will be back in a moment. Attention members and guests, Mr. Gutsy welcomes all stoneworkers of the Guild of Spines to their new guild hall, the Walled Avalanche. While there, be sure to admire the masterful granite table created by Kel Regingis. Come learn and enjoy fellowship. I didn't catch what what he said there. He's back. Hey, sorry. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. I can hear you great. Yes. That was very weird. All of a sudden, uh, an error message popped up and I couldn't hear you guys anymore. Hmm. Huh. Maybe sad. So what I was saying is if you are looking for good beer, you can find it in the States, but it's almost always going to be done by a microbrewery or by someone's homebrew setup. Uh, the the major the major uh, beer manufacturers. You know, if you are looking for something that you can drink like water, then American beer is fine. <laughs> Grocery store beer is pretty bad. I I Grocery went to um, <laughs> I went to Belgium one time and uh, 
And I walked into the grocery store and I thought, oh, I'll just buy myself some beer because I'm at the grocery store in Belgium. And I know Belgians make great beer. And I was just, I ended up not being able to make a decision because both aisle, both sides of the aisle were filled with like the best beer you could possibly imagine. And it was all like less than a euro. Yeah. And it was like overwhelming for me. Like I just, I, I came out with nothing. And my wife's like, why didn't you buy beer? And I was like, I, I, I have to go. I can't, I can't cope. So yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming to my TED talk on beer. Yes, it's well, very close to like dwarves and stuff, so it fits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we are talking to a German, and, and you know, Germans are known worldwide for their beer and uh, so, sausages, schnitzels of various kinds. If for no other reason, I need to visit Germany so that I can experience the sausages. I love sausages. Yeah, they, I think they do that pretty well. Let's all meet in Wisconsin. Whoa, we got way off track there. We that's we did get a typical. little off track, but that's okay. You know, we actually that's, though thank God beer, for and editing, alcohol, huh? beer and alcohol, they're they're fine for subject matter on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable that's because right. this dwarves is... love beer. Hey, and mead. How have you guys done how are you guys have you guys done mead? Or are, are you mead never, meaders? Never set up uh, anything with bees. But mead maker. Huh. Yeah. That's some really neat looking stuff that uh that Tarn posted earlier in June. On the uh, the Steam update stuff. Did He's you see the pictures of the, yeah, the hives and stuff? He's such a tease. Tarn, tarn, tarn. <laughs> All these glorious screenshots getting everybody so excited. Buddy, we are looking forward to this release. I, I don't know what to think about the user interface there. Uh, there's the section with checkboxes that say things like Hive with a checkbox beside install colony when ready and gather any products. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same that we have right now, but you can actually click it with a mouse. Um, I yeah. think it's actually even like the same text. They didn't change that at all. Oh, um, okay. But it's 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 cool. I like the, the beehives because they have this like... Um, how you say this, this like grunchy fantasy bee feeling to them fantasy bee feeling is the name of my new band <laughs> fantasy bee feeling yeah write it down people you know honestly i really hope that in the future of dwarf fortress i might be able to put bees in like beehives and actually use them not just for like the fun of it because right now i just do bees because I can't do bees, but not for like actually like having any kind of stuff working with it. Like wax working? Who? <laughs> do bees or not do bees? That <laughs> is the question. Zar is the master tailor of Bogzosh Moose, the brigand of fungi, a sleek giant cave spider silk vest. All Craft's dwarf ship is of the highest quality. On the vest is an image of dwarves in precious fire opal. The dwarves are laboring. The artwork relates to the foundation of Slapham's by the buff tomb of the Pick of Ramparts in the early spring of the year 5. You can, um, you can actually bring cheese into the United States from foreign countries, just to put that out there. But I don't know about the export rules for cheese. Yeah, but no, like, uh, kinder egg. Yeah, if you're not selling it, it's... it's the king know. has made a mandate. No export of cheese allowed. The cheese list. You will get on the cheese list. All right, back to the show. Um, do, you guys ever, do you guys ever make cheese? Have you ever done a cheese fort? Oh, yes. 
I have never made cheese in my fort. So what's involved in making cheese? Animals. Milking cats. <laughs> animals and patience and green grass. Mostly and, patience. Yeah, mostly patience. Really Why green grass? Patience. The animals that make the cheese eat that. And if they don't have enough access to it, then they don't, they don't make milk or they'd starve to death. When people talk about milking cats for, for cat cheese, is that just BS? I don't, um, I don't think you can yes. milk cats, can you? Yeah. No, no, they don't are... have the, the um, is it like milking tag? Anyway, the tag, they don't have that. Like o- only a very few animals in the game actually do have it, which is sad. So you can't milk everything, but you can milk, for example, pigs. So you can make pig's milk cheese. Um, I think you can get that in the real world. Um, yes. So, um, so there is no one offense. animal that you wouldn't need the green grass for. If you're making just, you know, hog cheese, then, uh, then you know, they, uh, pigs don't require grazing land. So you can raise them, oh. you know, in the basement of your fortress. You know what? Pigs don't require grazing land. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Yes, well, that's damn. true. Well, pig cheese fort, here we come. <laughs> yes. I'm actually going to start getting pigs into this fort. Yeah, uh, it is very viable. And if you slaughter a fat pig, it gives so much meat. Also, they reproduce like capybaras. It's, it's <laughs> But if you think about it from an economy perspective, you could get cheese from some of them. You could get bacon and, you know, other pig products from another one. Leather. But I guess you do risk having a totally not kosher fort. So eh, that's no, okay. That's yeah, okay. I think that's that's okay. Okay. So can you train pigs as war animals? War, war pigs. No, but you can definitely mod that in. That is absolutely possible. Well, you know, if that's the case, you could also mod in that you could make cats milkable. So. Sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> when we talk about modding, you know, there is no, like, point in stopping. You, you can also make, like, a dragon's milkable. Dragon milk cheese. <laughs> the epic quest of getting my hands on dragon milk cheese. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. A Krug Smash. I had the idea first. You heard it here first, Krug Smash. Did he make a did did that guy make a, a dragon milk fort? No, but I think he's he's off like playing with like robots and stuff now, yes. I think. So yes. I think you've got some time because he's he's playing with missile walkers or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll know closely, where but... he gets his ideas if we come back uh, and we have the first fortress that he comes when he comes back to Dwarven Lands has a, uh, you know, uh, milkable dragons. Pig's then milk. we know. Then we know. <laughs> but no, so that, that... I, I've just researched it. We don't drink pig's milk, apparently. Um, just to, you know, put it bluntly, it sounds like it's disgusting. Uh, water <laughs> in humans? And, yeah, humans. Uh, okay. it's, I, I think pigs drink it, to be, and, to be fair. And dwarves and do. I don't want to milk shame anybody if, if they do like <laughs> it. But, um, ah. but yeah, it sounds like it's watery and disgusting uh, and gamey. So really, everything you don't want to milk to be. Yes, um, uh, we, we got the question here, right? Um, what would be the most economical animal in Dwarf Fortress? While we at the discussion of, about like using all of the animal. And I do think it's like either llamas or apacas because you can slaughter them for meat. You can share them for wool. You can milk both of them. And I think the llama is a bit better because it's a bit larger and gives a bit more meat. But they're grazes, so you have to have, like, some kind of pasture. It's not like pigs. You can, like, throw the 
poor pigs into like a um can you have grazing areas in the uh in the caverns is there any way to have yes. grazable yes like okay the, so that's the, an option then yes like you gotta the, be a uh, bit of a madman but the, the fungi mm-hmm. and stuff that counts as like eat, eatable stuff for grazers however okay. uh, not every tile has that and the overworld has like on every tile there's basically grass so like an overworld pasture is or it has to be not as big as like an underworld pasture but it it works it can be done so i do have a question about that so whenever i break into the into the caverns eventually almost every stone floor is covered with uh i guess it's fungus moss whatever because yeah. have you have you noted that whenever you break into the caverns i guess the fungus spores spread out of around your fortress and you end up with fungus or moss or something growing everywhere is that stuff grazable the stuff that's uh, growing everywhere oh yes oh yes that is also very very much grazable and um it doesn't have to be when you break into the caverns i think but i might be wrong about it because i i know exactly what you're talking about but uh, for example my kitchen is far away from like the whole cavern stuff and still has like moss going on um, but you can, if you, if you let it sit for a while so that moss and shrooms actually accumulate, then you can put like horses in there. I tried that once before. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, I've done that and, um, and it got eaten. Something came and ate everything. So oh. it was bad experience. Cavern, like something flew in, some forgotten beast flew in and, and ate everything. So that was sad. So do be careful in the caverns because remember they go up. And so if you have a flying thing and you have a little pen for your animals, the flying thing can come over and eat them. Yes. And and sadness. Sadness prevails. Ah, yeah. Didn't think about that. Mm. So So you're talking about the uh, the, the llamas. So can Mm -hmm. you train llamas as war animals? What are the animals (laughs) that can be trained for for battle? It's just Uh, dogs. Dogs. Oh my God. That is a good question. I, I only know about dogs. I think. Rhinos, bears? elephants, and not all bears, I think. Just grizzly and polar. I, I'm pretty sure I have a black bear and can, I can't wall train that. So you can train so you can train rhinos for I'm pretty for sure animals. you can. I'm pretty sure I have happens. can you? Because I have a I have a couple of male rhinos. I'm just waiting for the elves to bring a female. So What about rabbits? No. War rabbits. Uh, no. Wasn't that a Jefferson Airplane song? <laughs> War Rabbit, yeah, it's one of their best. I like War Cavi, the sequel. It was really good. What if you what if you could do War Cavies and you could you know, it'd be like that, would you rather face one cavi sized dragon or a hundred uh, dragon sized cavies? Well technically it I would take oh, right, the dragon-sized KV because dragon-sized is like a wonky definition since when the dragon is like hatching, it's about as small as a cat. This segment is brought to you by Brendan Poole, creator of Ruthoshimesh, Distances Sprinkled, in the city of Suzuksum. Distances Sprinkled is a precious fire opal throne. All crafts warship is of the highest quality. It is encrusted with pear-cut precious fire opals. On the throne is an image of goblets in precious fire opal. Last episode, we also ran out of time to cover our mailbag. So, uh, mailbag. Why don't, 
why don't we take a look at the mail that our users have sent to us? You know, you need I to can, edit I in here. Users, what's that? You've got to edit in the you've got mail. No, don't do that. Sorry. No, I I, I do like that idea. <laughs> I, I'm I was just thinking Apologies copyright. I figure that. Time yeah, I bet more. AOL is hot yeah. defending that trademark. That's boy. I bet they lose billions each year on that one. <laughs> You know, the thing is, I'm not sure if you're being uh, facetious or not. I don't even know myself, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Like, I just show up. If you want to send us an uh, email and ask us a question or make a suggestion or just tell us how wonderful or horrible we are, feel free to do so. to see professional help. No, <laughs> send us one. an email at... Urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. And uh, you can also leave a message on the episode of your choice on the, um, on the, the website. Uh, honestly, I probably will have a better chance of catching it if it is coming in through the email because I only go back through the... Um, the website to check for new comments uh, a couple times a week where I'm looking at the email uh, pretty much every day. So anyway, a person named Jonathan, not me, uh, wrote in and indicated whenever we were covering our stockpile episodes, a couple things that we missed out on were quantum stockpiles and minecart aided stockpiles. I have used a quantum stockpile before, but that is for whatever reason, that's one thing that I kind of think of. As you know, a step too far in in cheating the system. Have you guys yeah. used quantum stockpiles before? So it, I for have. everyone to to, yes. to let anyone know, a quantum stockpile is in essence a dump that you put, but you are purposely putting your things that you don't want to dump, but are actually wanting to use in the dump, so that you have an infinitely large tile in essence. So, so have you guys used those before? I did. Um... But I don't regularly because, I, I mean, it's sort of solving a problem I don't have. So, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on what you use it for. My, my forts are fairly large now because I, I just have the, like, processing power on this PC. Um, so <laughs> I kind of, like, I, <laughs> humble brag, yeah. But I, mm. I splash out with my um, stockpiles simply because now I can see stuff better and I don't have to, like, put it on small tiles and stuff. But I used to do a lot of ammunition quantum stockpiles because uh, ammunition was always, like, something that annoyed me dearly. You know, that's a good idea. The ammunition is a place where I don't think that I would consider it cheating. You know... <clears throat> I guess it's because I always wanted to use it. If I needed it, it was with stone. And part of me is like, you know, if you collect so much stone, you should have problems storing it. So, but ammo, yeah. Ammo would be a great way to, to do that. However, it's not readily accessible in a quantum stockpile, is it? Don't you have to? Oh, yeah. It's a pain in the neck. Yeah. You have to have to actually manipulate the uh the stockpile to to and like reclaim the stuff i think yeah yeah, and yeah i found it i found it kind of challenging in micromanagey so mm -hmm. i gave so. up but we didn't cover that on our last episode when we could have also minecart aided stockpiles 
Yeah, I've still never. I've laid down a few tracks, and I think that I got a minecart moving once just to make sure that I did it, but I am not to that advancement level yet, I don't think. Oh, yeah, minecarts. Tricky. Yeah. This uh, uh, Jonathan, not me, said that he uses um, a minecart loot apparently to, to deal with his refuse and corpses so that they don't have a problem with miasma. Oh, sounds okay. useful. Krug Smash did a lot of minecart in some of his earlier videos, but I know I just I just like you, Tony, and and the quantum stockpiles. It's just not something that I've run into really needing yet. I don't think. Yeah, the the minecart stuff's pretty neat. But yeah, with with quantum stockpiles, I think where I I mean I used it as a trash dump more than anything else because it served that purpose very well. But otherwise, yeah, though, yeah otherwise you're just kind of in there having to forbid and unforbid, and so you can guys because you can go in and unforbid things when you need it, and then they go grab it and put it in another stockpile. But then maybe there's this whole other layer of like 3D chess that people are playing with stockpiles, yeah. kind of like what Nate was talking about, where he's like, I feed this stockpile with this thing, and I guess his video talked about that if you guys watched it mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome but it was like this stockpile feeds this thing and then this workshop takes and puts here and it was like incredibly efficient and impressive so maybe there's some way to do that kind of stuff with it i don't know i'd be really curious so if anybody has cool ideas that you're listening right now and you're like guys you don't get it how can you not see this is what the benefit of the stock quantum stockpile is that'd be awesome tell us about it yeah absolutely Por favor. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jonathan, for sending in the email. Stephen A. Ridley sent in an email saying that, yeah, he agrees that the transition from RimWorld to Dwarf Fortress that we had talked about in previous episodes is a uh, seems like RimWorld is a, is a nice gateway drug for Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> it does have that aspect to it. Yeah, it's it's good that way. But uh, he also said, oh, so we were talking about, now, I think that this was before our episode with uh, with Nathan, but uh, but we had also talked about setting up the uh, text mode stuff and, and remote playing of Dwarf Fortress. And apparently there's an app out there. It's a iOS app that you can get apparently at the Apple store called Dwarf Fortress Remote. And it is a, it sounds like it's a subscription service. But you can you set it run... up to control yours. What's that? You can set it. You can set up an instance of Dwarf Fortress that you control, and and you can control it. I don't know that you have to pay a subscription. Oh. At least you didn't used to have to. Okay, cool. Oh, so you've done this before? I have. Yeah, yeah. Very oh, briefly. okay, cool. So yeah, yeah it's check it out. Dwarf Fortress remote, and uh, apparently it's got the Space Fox tile set on it. So what is it like? You just kind of do like a. a like a remote desktop session in or like a, a terminal services session or something into the server. The way it used to work, I don't know, unless they've done something special with it recently. Yeah. Basically you'd set up, you, you'd unpack a tar file or whatever on your machine and it would be a, an installation of door fortress. And then DF remote was basically just an iOS client that you could use to play door fortress. And you were just sort of controlling that instance that you had on your machine so you'd have to leave your machine up on on the same network to be able to play it and i'm sure it's cool but um at the time i found it challenging from the ui perspective because my phone is not very good like that like i I feel like i'd want a keyboard to play dwarf fortress and without a keyboard i feel a bit useless 
Yeah, but Steven it's said that he did it with his iPad, which probably would make it a little bit easier than a than a phone. Yeah, yeah, and and um and if you had, I don't know if if maybe now it has its own sort of remote. You know, somebody's got like Dwarf Fortress banks of servers or something. Maybe that works. I, I don't know, but I think you, I think it has to connect to your own machine. So you know, figure out how you do that yeah. and. So if you make Dwarf Fortress, uh, Dwarf Fortress Remote and you'd like to come on this show and talk with us about it, uh, send us an email and, uh, and we'll be happy to have you on and we'll go over what motivated you to do this. And if there you're we not go. listening, then, then never mind. Yeah, so it looks like, yeah, it looks like they've got a hosted version of it, five bucks a month you can pay yeah. and then you can go wild. Five bucks a month you can purchase a server subscription instead of maintaining your own server can upload and download your save games at any time and it includes a three-day trial period so thank you um mifiki.com the developer is called mifiki i'm not sure how we say that but there we are all right thanks Stephen ridley for sending the email in and uh robert g sent a question and a suggestion asking if uh if we could do a talking segment where people submit their Dwarf Fortress stories and the group reads through their favorite ones submitted. seems like we do that occasionally whenever people send in their, uh, but we, I don't think we've made a segment out of it. Have we done that before? If you send it, we will read. If you send it, we will read. So with us, Roland? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I hadn't heard you breathe in a while. So I hadn't heard, seen, heard you talk. Still alive, still alive. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, good to hear your voice, man. I don't man. know if you heard this. Uh, Roland is. This is day one without coffee. So oh, he's, interesting. He's... <laughs> That's fine. Well, it's evening there, so you can go to bed soon, uh, uh, and um, then wake up and not make coffee in the morning. So no, 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 no. It's well. It's um. It's um going well it sounds like wow okay thanks brain anybody else got anything that they want to cover today i got nothing no not really i believe it's right. a very comprehensive discussion on cheese pig cheese in wisconsin so thank and you llamas. And, llamas. and llamas and pigs and, pigs. and, cat and milk. their, and their cat delicious milk. cheese <laughs> mm. oh that sounds right. really nice mm. <laughs> okay so until next time this is your friends at Dwarf Fortress Roundtable wishing you a happy fortress. See ya. Bye. Bloodtoes, new patron of the Temple of the Prime Entanglement, invites you to come meditate and praise your chosen deity. The Prime Entanglement is a non-denominational temple with five musical instruments to accompany your dance of worship. All visitors are welcome. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at Bay12Games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at Patreon.com slash DFRoundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft storeship is of the highest quality.